Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help on the phone, or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1103. Uh, lots of new stuff going up over in the ID10T shop. Some uh, St. Daryl candles, if you're a Walking Dead fan. That's all I'll say. St. Daryl candles uh, going up. What is the date today? Uh, the 27th of November, so they should be going up in a couple of days. The year is 2020. This is my audio time capsule of the time that St. Daryl Candles were about to go into the shop at ID10T.com and save the world! Um, <laughs> disclaimer, candles may not actually save the world. Um, so yes, that's at ID10T.com. Please go check that out. Let's talk about you, the ID10T community. And this... This ID10T community cork board, events at ID10T.com is the email, is a friend of the podcast, friend to me and friend of the podcast, uh, Chris Sullivan, whom I love. Chris is just the best, nicest dude. Uh, he was on the podcast a while back. He is in the show uh, This Is Us. He is Taserface. And, uh, and also, he is a damn fine musician. He is an amazing singer, and he's put out an album under the moniker Joseph the Spouse. The album is called Six Feet From Under, and uh, it was produced and co-written by Taylor Goldsmith from the band Dawes, and it is available everywhere for download and streaming as of right now. came out November 19th. It is after November 19th, so that means that you can get it right now. So congratulations to my pal Chris Sullivan on a fantastic album that is now out there in the world, ready for your consumption and enjoyment. Let's talk about this episode of the podcast. Um, This episode is Carl Urban, who has been in everything, and he's great in everything. He's the fucking coolest guy, and uh, he's also really nice. Really nice dude. I've had the pleasure of knowing Carl for a little while now, and uh, he is on uh, one of Lydia's and my favorite shows, The Boys, and he plays uh, Butcher. And when we recorded this, when did we record this? It was a couple months ago because we're talking about The Boys, I think, about to be coming out. And now season two of The Boys is fully out uh, on Amazon. You can get seasons one and two. So um, so it's it's available. So that's just to give you a timeline. Because um, I think I even say something in the podcast like, oh, when quarantine happened like six months ago. Well, it's been longer than six months. So that... That should explain that little ripple in time and also why um, we were just sort of dancing around uh, story points of the boys because I never want to spoil anything. I never want to spoil anything if you haven't seen it yet. I want to give you an opportunity to catch up as we are in. There is a wealth of content to be watching now. A lot of good stuff, too. And The Boys is just a fantastic show. Uh, Aaron Moriarty, who plays Starlight on The Boys, she was on uh, a couple months back. Fantastic guest. And uh, and so it's just a great, 
It's a great show. If you have some time and you listen to this uh, this this holiday weekend in the United States uh, after Thanksgiving, catch up on the boys if you haven't yet. Uh, all right, that is it. Here is the ID10T podcast number eleven oh three with Mr. Carl Urban. Initiating ID10T protocol. Carl, how you doing? I'm pretty good. How you doing? Okay, I'm just making sure I've got the right microphone. No, let's use this one. Okay, great. I'm just trying to get, you know, as long as I've been doing this, especially in quarantine, I still have not come up with a better lighting situation. My office is incredibly dark and then backlit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> ideal. The cinematographer's wet dream. <laughs> yeah, it's like how could I how could I photoshop like I would have to photoshop the perfect environment here. I have a studio, a podcast studio, but I just never go there because you know it's uh why leave the house? Why, why leave, leave the, the house? house? Well, especially in the middle of a global pandemic. I mean, really Yeah, I mean, come on, come on. We haven't really been much of any have you well, New Zealand you New Zealand did a pretty pretty amazing job and you were booked to record the podcast maybe a week or two ago and then there was an immediate quite sudden lockdown that happened is everything okay down there now yeah it's um i mean uh, you know by and large i think that uh the New Zealand government's done a phenomenal job of protecting the population of New Zealand we you know in march we went into uh, a lockdown for 6 or 7 weeks and then we had 102 days of no community transmission. And all of a sudden, overnight, suddenly we, from a cold storage uh, facility, uh, we had uh, an outbreak. They don't know what it was, but they, they suspect it was from frozen food uh, imported into the country. And um, so, yeah, we went into a three-week lockdown. And uh, so, uh, but now we're, we've just come out of lockdown and, you know, we still have a, a low amount of community transmission that's going on. So it's just something that I think that we're going to have to learn to manage and deal with and take the proper precautions. You know, it's just it's going to be a reality of life until there's a vaccine. I so, you know, I mean, who knows when we'll be traveling internationally again, recreationally. Um, but uh, and, and even if tomorrow they were like, oh, you know what, it's fine. Go wherever. You, I mean, I know people are having to travel internationally here and there. A friend of mine went, lives in England, had to come to the States for something and flew home. And she said there were literally 40 people on her flight, including the crew. So it's just such a strange time. But New Zealand is one place that I was like, God damn it. I, you know, I, for so long I've wanted to go. And now I was like, oh, is it going to be a couple of years before I can go to New Zealand now? But yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, currently the border's closed. So unless you're a New Zealand citizen or I think they do make exemptions. I know my friend John Cho has just arrived. He's mm-hmm. shooting a Netflix series here. And, um, you know, he had to quarantine for a couple of weeks. But I think pretty much the border's, border's closed. So right. it's just an interesting, gnarly time we, we live in, isn't it? It's, uh, it's so surreal. 
Yeah, what have you been what have you been doing with your time all, all these months? <laughs> <laughs> what have I been doing? I actually uh have really enjoyed lockdown, I have to say. Uh just, just great quality time with my boys. Um and uh, you know, spending time with, with my family. That's that's really it. You know, watching a bunch of movies, um and um, you know, just sort of just sort of taking it easy. It's all you can do, really. Um you know, but it's just great. I'm, you know, the, the first time uh, we went into lockdown, there was a certain amount of anxiety around it because of the, all the unknown factors around COVID. Right. Um, you know, you didn't know how easily it was transmitted and, you know, how susceptible you were. And, you know, in the second time, okay, there's a lot more information out there. And, and so that degree of anxiety had, had gone, but having been given the freedom for 102 days to suddenly not have it, that was the difficult, that was the challenge on the second time around. Um, but yeah, I didn't like, you know, like a lot of people had issue with it. I didn't mind it too much. You know, I love being at home and quite often I'm away for a lot of the year. And um, so I'm just loving being home and I just wish, you know, that it was under better circumstances. Yeah, I mean, it, it ha- a lot of people that I've talked to that were in the sort of the uh, the constant churn of work and busy and never being home, it, it has been such an interesting time to, oh my gosh, I have a home and I have, you know, like people that I am getting to spend some more time with. And it, I think it, a lot of people have also had this kind of existential, not crisis, but just sort of the idea of like, do I... Am I away too much? Do I work too much? Should I be home more in the future, even when I have the option of being away more? Like, have you have you have you started to tackle some of those larger kind of existential issues? Well, it's certainly. I think that there is a uh, this whole sort of you know uh, pandemic has um, forced us to do things in a manner that we hadn't done. Um, before and you know for me I guess the direct in- impact was you know going to the release of season two normally I would have been of the boys uh, normally I'd be hopping on a plane and would be going over to America or Europe and to do mass junketing to talk to the press to get the word out to, to get the, the good people to watch the show um, but this time it was all done from from home and I was you know sitting uh, much like we are now on a zoom call and uh, and talking to journalists that way, and at the end of it, I was like, "Damn, I kind of like this. I don't have to hop on a plane. <laughs> you know, I can do this at home. This is great." So going forward, I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm quite I'm quite happy to do it from home. Just patch me in, you know." Yeah, I know. It's just that just those days where you're like, "What city am I in? What time is it? When did I sleep last?" I mean, it's just that nonstop. Yeah. It it is you're you. We, we do adapt, our bodies do adapt to pretty much whatever we, you know, in within reason what we kind of throw at it. And now that I've had the ability to not have to work, you know, basically eight days a week and be up, you know, for 16 hours working nonstop, I'm like, you know what? This is not so bad. Like, how did I do that before? I don't know how I did that schedule before. Like, get, getting back into that momentum is going to be pretty insane because i know you guys are going back i know eventually you're going to shoot a season three of the boys right and uh have you even talked about when that's going to be or is it still like yeah we're trying to figure that out yeah season three of the boys is currently slated to go before the cameras uh end of january 2021 and the good thing about it is that there are a whole bunch of productions that are currently just sort of uh, getting going at the moment so 
there's going to be a whole lot of test cases out there um, to see, you know, uh, what the protocols are and what the uh, inherent uh, risks and, and uh, procedures are. And, and uh, so it's great. We're not first off the rank. Um, so we're pretty optimistic that it's it's going to happen. And, you know, for me, coming from New Zealand, it's it sort of, means that I have to spend two weeks in quarantine in Toronto before I even set, set foot on set. And and I guess when I b- return back home, there's another two weeks in quarantine. Right. So, you know, if, if, if I'm shooting for five months with a month, I'm going to have to add a month of it on, on top of that for, for quarantine. But, you know, you know, we're all, uh, it's, it's, you know, that's just, I guess it's until, as I said before, until there's a vaccine, that's just one of those reality of life that we have to accept. And, um, you know, uh, myself and the entire cast are so looking forward to getting back uh, to season three. We had such a blast shooting uh, season two, and um, it, it's uh, we're really. I feel like we've sort of bonded, you know, pretty well as a family unit now, and uh, we, you know, it, it's uh, it's it's exciting, and it's it's just wonderful to be on a project that uh, has a great, such a great, solid fan base, and and it's only growing, and and you know, I just can't wait for everybody to see the um, <laughs> the insane mechanics of season two. Well, it season one. It was one of, my wife and I it was one of our favorite shows of the, the past season. And when I saw, I think I probably ran into you at Comic-Con the summer before it aired. And um, I've been friends with Eric Crippy for like 25 years. And he was like, he was trying to explain the show, but didn't, he was like, we well, just have to see it. And I know, of course, it's obviously it's based on comics, on the comics, but it is such a fucking amazing show. And we were so excited that it's coming back, excited that it's coming back again. But, you know, listen, there are so, there, we're, we're in a, I mean, renaissance is a kind word. Glut is another word of media right now where there's just so much to watch. There's so much to catch up on. And a lot of stuff you just sort of eat it like fast food. You consume it like fast food. But The Boys is one of those shows. You just keep thinking about it after you watch it. It's so fucking good. It's just like, if the vibe of Breaking Bad were about superheroes, those, those, those moments, I mean, when you, and Eric is, Kripke's masterful at that kind of stuff too. Mm-hmm. But when you read the script, did you go, holy shit, this is going to be so different? Or was it once you kind of got on set, started seeing how everything was playing out, did it start to occur to you? Like, I think we're doing something really different here. Well, I guess it was pretty apparent to me reading the, um, the pilot and the initial three episodes of season one, that this was going to be a project, you know, extraordinary and, and tonally unique and, you know, completely different to anything else else that I'd ever seen, particularly in the superhero genre. Um, You know, I was really drawn to that uh, irreverent tone. Uh, I was drawn to the character of, Billy Butcher in a way that I knew that I would have so much fun playing this character um, and the quality of, of the dialogue and the way that the characters interacted with each other, um, you know, uh, was, was clearly elevated. And so I, I went and had a meeting with um, Eric Kripke and uh, Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen and we discussed the project and, uh, it was pretty clear to me that it was going to be something that was going to be worthwhile <laughs> being involved with. 
Um, you know, uh, and uh, my only concerns were, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I didn't want to, I wanted to make sure that the working conditions were going to be user friendly, uh, you know, and, um, you know, Kripke is, uh, ensured me that, that, that the show was, you know, going to be done in a way that was, um, uh, respectful, uh, to, uh, to the, the health and safety of everyone involved. So I was like, sign me up. That's great. Uh, I mean, and that, that must come from experience of working. I mean, you've worked on some fucking insane things, Carl. I mean, yeah. like legitimately three, you know, you're, you're in so many of the biggest franchises in film and it's just one right after the other. You got your Lord of the Rings. You got your Star Trek. You got your Born Supremacy. Like it, to, to, to sort of wrap your mind, when you, when you look at your career, do you feel like, oh, I've done some pretty cool shit? Or do you feel like, no, there's still so much more to do? Like, I'm so curious to hear how you view, A, how you view success, how you view your own career. Do you even think about that kind of stuff or do you just kind of go day to day? To be perfectly honest, I, I don't really think about it too much until I get into a situation where I'm talking to someone like yourself. Of course. Uh, I certainly don't you know, go on any sort of binge watching retrospective and, you know, check out past projects. I'm very much kind of in the moment, what's on my plate, what's coming up. Um, and I certainly have never planned my career to any great degree because, you know, I've been in a lot of good shit, but I've been in some shit as well. <laughs> and it's always a leap of faith. You never know how a project is going to turn out and, and until, uh, until it's up there on the screen because, you know, there are a multitude of collaborators that get to have their little stamp on it. And, um, you know, and that can be for the detriment of the, of a project sometimes uh, as much as a benefit. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, certainly I have found in my career that, uh, time and time again, I get, I have the most enjoyable experience and the best results just coming from working with the most high caliber collaborator that I can. Right. And, uh, and, and in that regard, I've been really blessed to um, have worked with some truly gifted, amazing people, the best in the business. And, and that is typically where, you know, where the good shit happens. I, I really have to wonder what it is about New Zealand that everyone that I've, everyone that I've had the pleasure of, meeting and or working with from New Zealand it's just there, there's just such a just such a nice healthy emotionally healthy vibe where everyone just feels like oh you know we're doing what we do I, I don't sense a lot of anxiety inherent to the fabric of, of New Zealand culture but you know the folks from New Zealand that I've met and gotten to know it's you know you Jermaine Brett Taika Reese Darby Neil Finn, you know, uh, met Peter Jackson a couple times. Like, everyone just seems... Sounds like you've met everyone. (laughs) (laughs) That is the population of New Zealand right there. (laughs) I would so love to understand what it is about New Zealand culturally that fosters such a seemingly healthy kind of emotional mindset about things that doesn't really seem to be about ego. Is is is, Is there a little bit of tall poppy syndrome because you know reese darby had a show called tall poppies and it was like that idea of like well you never want to you know you never want to seem like you're too above anyone but it, but there isn't like a it's not like an insecurity about it i don't know can, can, do you understand what i'm talking about can you explain any of that 
Yeah, I do. Uh, I've got a couple of theories uh, on that. I mean, first of all, you know, the New Zealand uh, film and television industry is pretty myopic in nature. And because of that, whether you're an actor, a writer, a director, you are forced to... um, uh, you are forced to work in all sorts of facets of your industry. You know, you might be an aspiring director, but you know what? You're also going to be shooting, uh, you know, you're going to be uh, shooting the camera. You're going to be doing sound. If you're an actor, you're not just going to be specializing in, you know, film, you know, you're going to be working in television. You're going to be working in theater. You're going to be working in radio. And, um, and I think, you know, fundamentally at its heart, uh, you know, uh, New Zealand artists, uh, I think they, they, they are very grounded in the craft of what they're doing as a result. And in my experience, I find a lot of our counterparts, and particularly in the States, become very top-heavy. They become um, focused on the peripheral aspects of the industry. It's like they've got agents, managers, lawyers, they've got publicists, they've got stylists, they've got dietitians, they've got endorsement, they've got a social media person. So there's all sorts of other things that they're sort of focused on, um, which in, in, I think in my opinion, and sometimes that, that, that sort of really kind of leads to the detriment of, of the craft of what they're actually doing. Um, whereas in New Zealand, I think, you know, we are just, I guess, uh, are blessed in the regard that we sort of typically just sort of focus on, um, on, on, on the craft of what we're doing and the job at hand. So, but you know, I don't know. It's uh, or maybe it's just something in the water. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I do. I do. I do. I totally understand what you're saying and everything that you, everything that you said, definitely rings true, particularly about the, about, the, about the States and a lot of the stuff that we focus on here. You know, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with just the sheer numbers of people who are clamoring for attention in the business. But it is that I think that you're right, the detrimental part, like when you're focusing more on the brand of what you're doing rather than the craft or the art of what you're doing, you're right, it can. And and focusing on the brand stuff is really alluring, too, because a lot of that just feeds into the ego stuff. Oh, totally. You know, and that's the danger. You know, you 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 have to lo- love um, the art within yourself, not yourself in the art. And ah! Such <laughs> a great <laughs> quote. Yeah, that, that, that's the danger. That's the danger. You know, and and um, you know, and instead of just feeding it back to the boys, and that's why I feel kind of really blessed that you know I'm working on a show. You know, there's we have people from all over the world that. Uh, working on the show, We've got Tomia from Israel, and um, uh, you know Anthony. He's also from New Zealand, and we've got a bunch of Americans and some English cast members and stuff. But everybody is just really seems to be on the same page. And um, I think that when you get a cast like that, and it truly is a collaborative uh, endeavor, and nobody is trying to you know screw other people over, then you just you get get great results. Um, and, and in my experience, you know, uh, I've worked on some productions where it, it is not this, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, amazing, benevolent sort of uh, collaborative experience. There are, you know, people out there to try and, you know, mess with your uh, work uh, in order to make themselves look better. And it's right. it's a competition. And, uh, you know, f- on, on the boys, there is competition, but it's healthy and it's not... Um, Nobody's out to sabotage. 
Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that is there is the healthy competition, which I think is, oh, that's really amazing. How can I be inspired by someone else's work and one up my game to to do better or or just the competition with yourself? How can I be better today than I was yesterday, which I think is helpful. Right. But but you're right that, you know, I must sabotage and salt the earth for everyone to elevate myself is the most toxic, detrimental. And I don't know how you it, it's almost like there there isn't really an acting class to teach for that, you know, where it's like, well, you might, you know, like, yes, you're, you're, you're going to acting class and you're learning how to act in ideal conditions, but you might encounter situations where, you know, there are egos or there's, it's like someone will come out of their trailer or people are cranky. And it's like, how do you, how do you get in and focus on your craft when you kind of have to shove that, that stuff out of the way? That's a whole other learning experience as well. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think that, you know, part of the skill set of being an actor is you have to have that ability to be able to shut everything else uh, out. Uh, and, and you you know, you've got a camera crew of, you know, 30, 60 people standing around watching you. You have to have the ability to, you know, focus them out of your world and just sort of zero in on, uh, your partner in the scene and 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 the work at hand and um, you know certainly when you encounter you know tricky actors that it, it's just an extension of that skill set you know but um, yeah but as I said you know for for, uh, for me for the last two seasons working on the boys has just been such a great experience you know working with the likes of Jack Quaid and Aaron Moriarty and um, you know Tamir and Laz Alonso Karen Fukuhara I mean they're just just real solid players and, and, and great people. And, you know, and really that's a testament to Eric Kripke. You know, he's put together um, a, just a wonderful collective of, of, of players and has given us just fantastic material to, to run and, uh, and run and play with. Say goodbye to performance robbing engine deposits with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Hate to break it to you, but lower-grade fuel can leave deposits in your engine that build up over time and leave your engine's performance severely lacking. Thankfully, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus removes up to 100% of performance-robbing deposits with continuous use in gasoline direct-injection engine fuel injectors. Download the Shell app today to find your nearest Shell station and rejuvenate your engine with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Fuel up at Shell. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you ever think about doing, uh, I know you've done a lot of different types of stuff, but I also, my experience with you has always been, you're also kind of a comedy guy too. Like, is there comedy? Do you see yourself as a comedy guy? Like, do you, do you want to do more comedy stuff? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I I don't really um, I don't really like the idea of pigeoning pigeonholing myself into any one particular genre over uh, another. And and in fact, my natural instinct is as soon as I've done something, um, whether it be a comedy, then I want to swing the other way and do something right. completely opposite. 
yeah. uh, that constant process of reinvention. I think it, it, it keeps it interesting for me as an actor, but also for an audience. Um, you know, yeah, there's, I, I have got, uh, you know, a lot of sort of comedic roles um, on my resume, but you know, there's also, I think, a fair balance of, um, of, of, of drama and action and all sorts of other, other stuff in there too. And as I said before, I, I've never, I haven't planned this career. It's just sort of stumble along. <laughs> if, I, if I read a piece of material and then, you know, start making decisions on about how I might like to play the character or, you know, get those creative juices going, then that is to me a really good indication that, you know, that it would be something that I should pursue. Yeah, but you ask good, but it's clear that you ask good questions because the, the, the fact that you even had the awareness to ask Kripke and Seth and Evan, you know, basically is the set, is it going to be a good set? Is it going to be a fun working environment? That's an amazing question to ask. And I think a lot of people, when you are putting brand and career over like craft and art or experience first, you know, like that's where, how you can fall into some of those tricky rabbit holes. But the fact that you even had the awareness to ask that question is a really healthy Yeah, the question, question was more like, listen, motherfuckers, I don't want to be working six <laughs> days a week because I've been there, I've done it, and I'm not doing it again. So you ensure me that this schedule is going to run on time and that we're not going to, you know, be shooting for months and months in extension of what we contractually agreed to and right. that, you know, we're going to be working reasonable hours, not 17-hour days. I mean, that's right. really what the conversation yeah. was. It's like, I mean, you know, uh, uh, as much as uh, is it going to be a fun set? Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, you, you make your you determine your reality yourself on that on that level. But no, it was, you know, it's always that 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 freaky thing when you you sign a contract and and particularly one like this because you are taking a huge leap of faith and you have no idea you're signing away five or six years of your life or certainly you know five months at a time. Uh, to these producers and you have no idea if you know they're going to be able to um, manage the production in a way that is actually going to look after not only the cast but the crew um, and uh, and so yeah it's a, that, that to me the the working conditions are for everybody not just the actors are a huge um, concern to me yeah. It, do you, that idea, the, the, did you have to sit with the idea of potentially signing away, not signing away, but, but signing on for what I, what I assume will probably could possibly be five or six seasons, you know, considering that the show seems to be going well and building off of each season versus that very kind of transient lifestyle of film where it's like, yeah, you work on something for a handful of months and then you move on and then you're do you do yeah. something else. Yeah, well, I was really looking forward to the opportunity to be able to uh, uh, tell a story or to be part of a storytelling process that um, worked with a larger palette, which had the luxury of time over a multitude of seasons to really flesh out characters and 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 develop a strong arc. And you know, this just presented me that opportunity and. Uh, you know, really, it, again, it, it came down to two factors. It was the character of Billy Butcher and it was Eric Kripke. And between the two of them, um, it was like that was that, that that's what clinched the, the, the decision for me. And now let's briefly pause to thank our sponsor for this episode of the ID10T podcast, Squarespace. You've got your domains, your websites, your online stores, your marketing tools, your email campaigns, anything from start to finish that you want to build 
as a digital presence, Squarespace will absolutely help you do whatever your idea is, whatever work you want to showcase. If you want to sell a product or a service or promote a physical or an online business, you're going to get beautiful templates created by world-class designers and then powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything. Uh, you can customize it however you want. Everything's optimized for mobile right out of the box. You're going to get 24-7 award-winning customer support. Nothing to patch or upgrade ever. It just happens. You don't even have to worry about it. So uh, head on over to squarespace.com slash ID10T for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code ID10T and you're going to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So that is Squarespace. Go make your thing. Go make your thing. Go make your digital thing. Thank you to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of the ID10T podcast, which we now return to. Do you think you, since your experience in New Zealand has been, like you said, you've trained on a lot of different types of things. When you work in New Zealand, film and television, film, television, theater, radio, it's basically, it sounds like every kind of performance medium and also all the different aspects. Do you envision other types of things that you want to do? Do you write things on the side? Do you want to direct things? Do you, or do you, are you just happy kind of going in as a, as an actor and then not having all the responsibility of carrying all the other stuff. I love having uh, less responsibility or should I say, <laughs> I just love having the responsibility <laughs> to just sort of focus on, uh, on, you know, uh, on, on one character and how that character interacts with those around them. To me, that's, um, that is a lot of work in itself. That being said, you know, I, I definitely do have, uh, you know, um, a, a desire to move into uh, other uh, areas and, and directing is something that has always fascinated me. And I believe that I would, you know, uh, probably be um, a pretty capable director. The, the, the difficult aspect for me is I've worked with some really, truly great directors and I know what it takes to be a phenomenal director and all of the um, uh, all of the elements that you need to have at your fingertips to do that job well. You know, you have to know about uh, not only character, but you have to know about writing, you have to know about symbolism, imagery, sound, uh, the camera, and you have to be adept at being able to communicate with other people to communicate your ideas. You're going to have 50 or 60 people coming at you each day with questions that you have to have answers for. Uh, and I've worked, you know, I've worked with the best, you know, and I've seen how they 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 deal with it and it is it's a huge challenge and it's not one that I would want to take um, lightly and you know for now I, I I I really I still you know I've been doing this for over 20 years I still feel very passionate about uh, the job of acting and storytelling um, so you know maybe one day um, but certainly no day no day soon shall we say but maybe well, yeah. I mean, also, yes. Knowing that you have to be the the final answer on basically everything. To, to me, the scary thing about directing is that if anyone asks a question about anything, you have to have an answer. And if you don't yeah. know, you have to make it up, and you have to hope that it's right because you ultimately are the the grand conductor of all of it, and everyone's looking to you as sort of the captain of the production. 
to know how it's supposed to go. And you have to hope that everyone's on the same page. And if they're not, you have to figure out how to get everyone on the same page. It, to, to me, that just feels like that is just an extraordinary amount of responsibility that you That's have to really love what and, you're doing. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you, after you've shot that thing for three months, possibly more, you have to go and spend a couple of months in a dark sound booth uh, or a dark editing suite and then a sound booth. And, uh, uh, you know, that's going to ser- seriously jeopardize uh, any uh, outdoor activities you might want to do. So, yeah. Uh, it's a huge commitment. I don't know. It is a huge commitment. And also there are, you know, when you're assembling, you have to really have a strong idea of what you want because it, there are a million ways you can assemble a scene. Yeah, just the, the the cuts of the music and which takes you use, and it just feels like to me. I'm sure I'm sure people who are born with the director gene go, "Oh, that's so exciting! You to you get to sculpt this kind of three dimensional thing." And to me, I go, uh, "There's a million ways to fuck that up, and maybe two where it works." And yeah. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I could hit the one or two. I would just be terrified the whole time. Like ah, I don't know. This just seems this this is hard. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, well, uh, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's, it is definitely something of interest, um, but as I said, but, um, you know, and writing, I mean, I've, I've, I've such a huge admiration and respect for, for writers and for the, uh, the craft of writing. I mean, to just have that discipline to sit down in your office and just every day tap, tap, tap something out. I tried it and I just, my attention span is too short and it's just that having that dedication and commitment to do that, you know, especially, you know, you wake up and it's a beautiful sunny day and it's like, oh, I could be on my boat fishing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Without playing golf. I could be surfing. It's like, why would I want to sit inside and, and be in my imagination and have my face in front of a computer? Uh, for Yeah. And you live in a paradise too. Like you live in New Zealand. It's like, why wouldn't you want to be outside if you live in New Zealand? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that doesn't, I would imagine that doesn't help a whole lot either. If you're, you know, if you're in, Basically, you're in the Shire all the time. Why would you want to stay inside and tick, 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 tick away? I don't Different know. Strokes. But I guess you know, it's like uh, it's like anything in life that you when you when you work on something um, and, and you put you invest your time and energy into it. Um, it's it, the reward really comes at the end of the day when you get to stand back and look at what you've created and what you've created in collaboration with others and feel proud of what you've done. And, and, and certainly I get that sense of satisfaction from doing what I do now. Um, and it sometimes it happens more often than not, you know, at the end of a shooting day when, you know, you're just winding down and, you, and you're going back over your head over what you've done. Very rarely for me is it actually when I watch the finished product, because for me, it's all about what happened in the moment. Um, on set and and that's where I guess I derive the greatest amount of satisfaction and then from there it sort of gets handed over to other people do you mind if I ask you some I don't have kids yet but my wife and I'm are we're, we're gonna we're gonna try to do that can I can I ask you some dad advice because you I know you have two kids and one of them's a, a full adult and the other one's yeah. a teenager so sure. almost almost a full adult yeah uh, it's so how did how, and this might be a dumb, obvious question, but how did the arrival of children in your life sort of change your priorities, change your life, change how you see yourself, your relationship to the world? What, what was it sort of a magical moment that you had, or was it like, did it feel very natural right away? Well, I was actually, I mean, at the time where we, 
uh, had our first son, uh, I was 28 and I was just, uh, I'd just been cast in Lord of the Rings. And, you know, certainly for me, it wasn't, you know, I was always really focused on my career and, and, you know, the thought of having children was not something that was on my radar, but it's something happened to us and it's just been the greatest gift uh, in in the world. And, and uh, it has uh, really um, made my life's journey so much uh, richer and rewarding as a result. And I've learned so much through, through having these beautiful kids. Um, and uh, I, I would just, uh, you know, if you're... Uh, if you have that opportunity, it's just, it, it's, it's the best, you know, and, and it certainly, you know, I, I found that it's taught me a lot. Um, particularly it teaches you patience. That's pretty much the first lesson you're going to learn. <laughs> um, um, you but, can't reason you know, with the baby. You just can't reason with the baby. Why know, are you crying right now? There's no, everything's yeah, fine. You just can't. No. Um, but yeah, it, it's, um, you know, it, it, it certainly, it, 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 and for me, it was, you know, it was a, I remember being certainly a little freaked out at first. Um, obviously, as I said before, I was so really focused on just achieving what I wanted to achieve in my career. And just the thought of having this huge obligation and responsibility just freaked me out. But, you know, um, I think the universe provides and it, and because I had that, that obligation and that responsibility, uh, you know, and, and also uh, I had a, a fantastic partner and at the time and, uh, we worked really well together as a team and, and the universe provided, you know, I just, you know, my, as, as my, my family was blossoming also, uh, my work in, in films and television was also going gangbusters. So, um, yeah, it's a special thing. If you get the opportunity, it's, it's the best thing you will ever do. But that's, I, I love the idea of you saying that the universe provides because that's basically just saying like, look, things are going to happen, but ultimately you figure it out. Like you get through it. The answers are there. You may not have them all. And that's sort of like in, 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 in the way that I was kind of catastrophizing, like oh, editing a movie, there's a million different ways you can fuck that up. And I think about that with kids too. Oh my God, there's a million different ways where you could not do the right thing or they could, you know, but I guess you would never do anything if you thought that way all the time. Like you just, I guess there is yeah. just sort of having faith in the, in yourself and the process and the universe and, and all that. And look, I, it, it's easy to overthink it. Kids are like jelly. You just want to cram as much good shit in there before the jelly sets. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, 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 and if you, and if you feel like you're fucking it up, then you're probably on the right track, you know? <laughs> You mean you're on the right track, you're doing it right, or you're on the... Or you're yeah, you're doing it right, you know, it means you care about what you're doing. You oh, know? good, good. It, it, it's, um, yeah, you know, it, it's uh, it's a funny old thing, isn't it? Well, yeah, but it's also like, you know, you want to, you want to you, you give them... And I, and I was pretty, you know, my, my parents were pretty, pretty fantastic. So it's like, I, I don't think I'm, it's not like, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do what my parents, like, I love both my parents. And, yeah. but I also know like, oh, I'm a bit of an overthinker. I get anxious about things. I don't want some poor kid to have to do that. But I also feel like you can't really, like, kids are like sponges, right? They absorb, mm. they just absorb. So, you know, how are you? how do you make sure that you're, did you feel like you had to go into a different mode as a parent? Like I have to go into parent mode or is it just more about letting, letting go? 
Well, I think that it's a role that you grow into and that, you know, as they're growing up, you are growing and evolving and, you know, hopefully touch wood, becoming a better parent. And, um, you know, nothing can prepare you for it. And, you know, in terms of actually going into dad mode, it's something that I've found that I've had to adopt or take that role on more in the teenage years. <laughs> right, right. And then when they're, when they're younger, it's... Uh, you know that that's um, the, the teenage years are can be a huge challenge, and that's uh, they're a lot of fun. <laughs> it's like what, what, what happened to my sweet, gorgeous little kid? He's turned into this. Well, they have to rebel, right? Because they have to find their own. Identity. Yeah, they do. They have to find their own their own voice and their own you know identity, and that's just a natural part of it. Is that they you know break away and then you know touch wood, they come back. Yeah, but you also have to be comfortable with letting them make mistakes because you don't want, I, you know, I would imagine you don't want them to ever get hurt. You don't want them to ever have to suffer in any way, but you also know, like, you have to let them fall down in their own way because that's how they learn, I guess. But Almost you know, definitely I that's how we learn, you know, in general, how we learn is by making mistakes. Now, if you're smart, you can learn from other people's mistakes. <laughs> that's, that's what smart people do. That would you be know, far too easy. If it comes, if it, if if the advice, if that existential advice comes from a parent, kid's not going to listen to it. So. No, 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 no. Of course, and it, and it is it is sort of this this cruel trick of nature of the universe, where it's like when you're a teenager, and then your parents are like, "Hey, you know, you should really think about this, or do this, or don't do that." You're like, "Shut up! You don't know shit." And then you get older, yeah. and you're like, "Oh, wait a minute." Oh, okay, I totally. And then you're yeah. in a situation where some kids acting weird, and you're like. Hey, you should. And they're going, "Fuck you, man!" You're going, "Okay, yeah." <laughs> I guess learn it on your own. <laughs> you know, um, what is next for you for the next several months? Are you just gonna do? You, do you get to sit at home, or do you are you gonna try to go anywhere? What are you gonna do? Well, um, uh, for the next few months, I plan to uh, do a lot of fishing. Nice. I plan to do a lot of R and R because come January. I'm going to be going to Toronto for maybe four months, maybe longer, and it's going to be the middle of winter. So anything, you know, I'm very, very physically active. I love the outdoors. So I'm going to do everything that I can in the springtime of New Zealand to get out and about. And then come January, I know that it's, it's, um, it's game on and, and also be preparing for that as well. You know, go back into training and, you know, you always want to enter into a production, you know, a hundred percent fit and healthy. And, and so there's a certain, you know, a run up that you need a build up to, you know, what is a, an endurance race? It's a marathon shooting anything and particularly shooting a series over, you know, five or six months. So yeah, th- those are my plans. I mean, I could you know, go off and do something else, but I, I just, there's a couple of concerns for me, obviously the COVID of it all. I've been offered a bunch of stuff and I'm just like not really interested in leaving yeah. New Zealand at the moment. I don't um, you. you know, but um, yeah, so I think that's, I think that's what I'm going to do. Do let me ask you a weird question. Cause we're the same age. And when I, you know, I look at you and I look at, you know, I see myself and I go, I think we're pretty youthful, but then on our parents' generation, when you saw people in your forties, they looked like they were 70 when we were younger. Yeah. Do we look that way to the young? Are we just, are we just, are our brains programmed to not see that yet? Or are we in fact, because <laughs> we take more, I feel like our generation started to take more interest in 
in health and there were, you know, there was more, there's a little more innovation and that sort of, so we exercise and we, you know, am I crazy? Yeah, no, we, we, we're old as fuck. We just, you know, have, <laughs> we're completely oblivious to the fact. Okay, that's, okay. Uh, in our minds, we're yeah, still yeah. 24, but, you oh, know, really, that ship has, has sailed. <laughs> uh, but you know what? I'm really, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying getting older and, and, you know, the older I get, um, the more, more I appreciate, um, you know, even just, just the simplest things in life and, and, uh, have a, a you know a real sort of uh, gratitude for everything that you are oblivious to and take for granted when you're younger, um, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's just it's you know it's just a it's a it's a strange time to be living in. It, I find it these days um, there is nothing um, predictable uh, about the time we're living in. You know, right. there's nothing right. that that, that to, you know just go back ten years and there seems to be you know, kind of this malaise that we were all in and, you know, and, and now it's like every day there's just something else that, you know, happens, whether it's politically or, um, uh, or, or, or whatnot, or with this pandemic and it, it's just like, these are gnarly times, you know, <laughs> there's no, there's no two ways about it. Just gnarly times. They are, they are definitely gnarly times, but it's also like thinking about the idea that, you know, like you said, well, I'm going to, fo- I'm going to shrink my world and I'm just going to focus on each day. I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to try to get as much. And I think that's, that's a, that's a solid plan because I, I think in the, in the previous times, and I mean that like six months ago, I feel like the fallback was like, oh, I feel uncomfortable. I better get busier. I better work more. I better distract myself more. And now I feel like, there, it's more about, wait, I need to kind of focus on appreciate what's in front of me right now. What do I have today yeah. that I can appreciate rather than running out? Because we can't really run around and chase that no. happiness and distract ourselves. I just thought for me, just even, you know, to, to take this on a way serious level, it's like there's an inherent health risk in, for me, obviously in, leaving New Zealand and then going to Toronto to shoot, um, you know, and going anywhere and, and being potentially exposed to this disease for which there is no cure. Um, so I just want to make damn sure that I live each day to its fullest right now and, right. and enjoy my, my family and my friends and get myself as healthy and strong and fit as I possibly can for what's coming down the pike. Uh, and I see no need to, you know, to go and try and, you know, chase the dollar right now, um, you know, or, uh, you know, sort of, or, 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 or um, jettison that, that really valuable time that I have with my family, you know, because I know that it, it's not going to be possible for me um, to get back to New Zealand. Once I go to Toronto to start shooting season three of The Boys, I'm there for however long I'm there because, right. you know, I can't, if I, I can't come back in the middle of the season like I did the previous two seasons because, uh, I have to do a quarantine for two weeks on either side. So it's just, it's the landscape's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, what is it? It was about, it's like 13 hours, it's about 12 or 13 hours to New Zealand from the West Coast to Toronto. Right, okay. Add another five onto that. Yeah. Is that, is, that, is that a direct flight from New Zealand to Toronto or are you stopping over in Los Angeles along the way? No, I think I'm going to avoid America. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I, don't I might get fly it. to Vancouver and then Vancouver. 
I don't know. I don't know why. I just, yeah. You know what? I don't know. Let's it's let's like, see what happens come November and oh, you can fly. Oh, you can fly through Vancouver. Oh, interesting. Yeah. No, I could. I could definitely skip the states. I listen, if you want, you could. I'll tell you what. You could fly into Cal. You could fly into LA, and you could just drive to Toronto. You know, you could really just get a sense. That was such a. That was such an earnest. I think I might avoid America right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Is like it go to destination right now? Listen. Yeah. Don't get listen. offended, all you Americans. <laughs> I love America. I really do, but. Y'all got some fucking shit going on there right now, and uh, Maybe, uh, hey, America, I love you, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna skirt through Vancouver's on this one. I'm yeah. just gonna just go right around. I uh, I remember the first time I met you, and you were so nice because listen, I was I I was I had been a longtime fan of your work, and I we were on a flight together, and I think I tweeted, oh, I think I think Carl Urban's sitting behind me. And not two minutes after I tweeted that, you lean forward and go, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> and it was just, uh, it was really nice. You know, it was, it was, uh, I had never met you. I didn't know what to expect. And you were really warm. And I think you even came to a comedy show that I was doing, which was incredibly nice of you. That's right. I remember that. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Those were the, those were the old times. I think about those days and I go, my guy, you know, my heart starts to palpitate being on a plane, doing a show, being around people. Oh my God. What a weird time that was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a funny old thing, isn't it? Um, the fact that I was, uh, <laughs> to happen to be on social media or obviously, obviously when you, when you were, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was, you know, like it was, it was, uh, it was, it was a nice time. I, I do, I do think, and kind of spinning it back to New Zealand, that sort of communal thing, I think is what, you know, New Zealand is such an, it feels like an intimate community of people. I know there's obviously mm. a lot of people there, but it's, but it's, but it does feel very communal. And maybe because it's very communal, maybe there is that thing where y'all feel more accountable to each other because, you know, it's not hundreds of millions of people. You, you all kind of see each other and you, you rely on each other. And maybe, maybe that has something to do with why, with the attitudes that you have about your work and the sort of the, the, the outlook that you have on life, maybe it's, you know, if you are dicks, your entire country, your community's like, you're being a dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe that's yeah, part of it yeah. too. The communal aspect. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? 
and the Coast Guard. We think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, it, it, what's been really interesting um, through this pandemic was, you know, New Zealand really came together as a team of five million to defeat this thing, to do our best to, you know, everybody doing what they individually needed to do in order to keep not only themselves, but, you know, everybody safe. I, as I feel as I look at what's going on in America, it's, it's more of a case of, Oh, don't you tell me what to do. <laughs> I don't want to wear a mask. If I'm, you know. Let me speak to the manager. No, no, there's no manager. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Put a mask on. Um, you know, and that is obviously, you know, I'm, you know, looking at it and obviously you've got 50 states and, you know, probably 50 different ways of dealing with, uh, w- with this virus and response. And, um, you know, and that's where, where there is an advantage of being uh, comparatively speaking small nation is that, uh, you know, we can pull together pretty well and, and get the job done. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really, 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 really can't tell you how excited I am for season two without giving anything away. And yeah. that's one of the reasons why it's been difficult to sort of talk about the boys uh, on the podcast because it's just one of those shows where you don't want anything spoiled. Like every moment of that show is so precious because you you think you know where something's going and then there's a moment where you're like, Jesus Christ, you know? Right. So without giving too much away, what can you say about season two in broad terms, uh, kind of building off well, season one? Well, you're happen to be in luck, Chris, because I'm very good at speaking in generic broad terms when it comes to uh, promoting a television show, let me tell you. Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, you know, for me, I mean, this season two um, really picks up uh, where season one uh, ended and you know, the boys are on the run. They're wanted felons. Um, Billy Butcher is missing in action somewhere. Uh, and, you know, uh, obviously the revelation that, you know, Becca Butcher is alive is a huge game changer for Butcher. Uh, and, you know, really the entire season two for him is all about reuniting with his wife. And season two really is a, it's a, it's a love story for, for Butcher and I won't get too much more specific than that. Um, um, and, you know, you know, Kripke, I guess his sort of, you know, thematically, his idea for season two was to rip away something from each and every character that was most valuable to them. So for Huey, it's Starlight. For Butcher, it's his wife, Becca. For for Homelander, it's kind of his status and standing as the leader of the Seven and his popularity and all the things like that that are important mm-hmm. to him. Um, you know, for Starlight, it's her her belief in her faith, her religion. You know, all of that is thrown into question. And, and these characters are all challenged in a way that, you know, forces them to um, step outside their comfort zone. And, 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 and the interesting thing is to see how they then deal with it or fail to deal with it. Um, and, you know, uh, Eric Kripke was sort of pulled us all together at the beginning of the season and said, listen, you know, we think it would be a mistake just to try and go bigger for season two. So what we're actually going to do is just dive deeper and really get into the minutiae of these characters and how they, you know, they operate and, and, um, 
you know, and I think he completely achieved that. But he also, at the same time, totally went bigger. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like season two is like season one. Uh, it's just been nuked. It's it's on steroids. It's uh, you know the, the the set pieces are bigger. The action's bigger. You know, because you have this inherent familiarity with the characters. Uh, it's just a much more sort of rich and rewarding experience, and uh, you know, I'm super excited for people to see it. It's just uh, it, it packs a lot of punch. Yeah, I mean, and and I I have so much faith in the group and in Kripke also for because the boys season one is one of those shows where you're like, how the fuck are they going to top this? And I and I really because a lot of show there there are shows that can out of the gate, just blow it out of the water. And then it can be very difficult to follow up. It's like, how do you follow? But um, uh, the sense that I'm getting is that, that y'all are able to actually pull that off. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, we sort of, uh, you know, I think it's always a mistake to go out there and to try and um, best what you've done. You have to kind of refocus and literally start from scratch and just be in the moment and just try and deliver the best that you can you have to get, set yourself new goals uh and that was certainly the case for me this season there were elements about last season that i felt you know could have i could have worked harder on and i worked harder on those this season this season actually left me so drained this was probably one of the most challenging pieces of work that i've that i've ever done and uh, and i think when you get to the end of episode eight you'll go oh i get what he's talking about now okay uh, it, it sort of it took a while for me to shake it off, and, and I'm not usually like that. I usually once I once I leave set, I can pretty much leave the work behind, but not not this time. This time it sort of it lingered for uh, a good month a bit, month or so. So, um, and uh, you know, the, the show really kind of forced me to tap into um, you know a certain. Um, mode that is 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 not a comfortable place to be and um you know uh so yeah it's there's a, it's a lot of without giving too much away there's a, a lot of good stuff to look forward to is the boys i can't remember does the boys release all at once or does it release weekly no we're going to do, do it different this season season two is going to release on september the 4th we're releasing the first three episodes and then we're going weekly after that okay uh, so the remaining five will will drop, um, and that's good. I mean, as much as I love binge watching a show, there's I also love that anticipation that 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 excitement that you get for, you know, that that next week for the next episode to come out, yeah. and then also having the ability to really kind of digest and think about um, what you've um, what you've seen. So, yeah, I agree. For the fan experience, it I know it's great to be able to just wolf everything down in one sitting but then it all just kind of lives in your short-term experience your short-term yeah. memory experience and you know you often don't think about it too much again afterwards the boys was an exception we watch it all at once and we you know weeks afterwards like oh my god i can't believe that one fucking thing that they you know uh, there, there are just these moments that you that, you know i want to say but there are just moments that stick with you and uh but the experience of week to week it allows you to have conversations with people. It allows it to breathe. Like I feel like it really allows the show to have a life. And, and also I love the idea of knowing that, you know, like every time at that time, every week at that time, that thing is there for you and you get Mm. to watch it and you get to share it with someone or talk about it with your friends. I mean, 
I think we're losing that a lot because we expect to see everything whenever we want, however we want, it as much as we want. And I, I love that it's being parsed out in that way. Yeah, I do too, because it's all too easy and we all do it. When you binge something, you you, you just devour it. And sometimes you, it's very easy to miss some of the subtle layering and flavors that um, that are uh, that are in there, and um, you know, and certainly, you know, going week by week is going to, um, I think, allow for that to sort of, you know, to sort of percolate a little bit more. Um, but um, no, well, listen, it's just, it's just, it's just great now that we're at that point where, you know, we're handing this project over to the to uh, to the fans and to the audience. You know, it's been sitting with us for the last year, and and it's it's an exciting place to be. And I just can't wait for it to to get out there, and you know, and just to sort of you know get sort of some sense from everybody as to um, you know as as to uh, how they uh, how they feel about it. And then, are, is there anything else that you're signed on to at the moment that you, in theory, would shoot after the boys is done? Or are you just are you not looking that far ahead yet? No, not looking that far ahead. As I said, my I, I'm just at the moment just primarily focused on on season three of the boys. I'm also actually sh- currently working on a um, couple of other animated projects. Cool. Uh, one I'm shooting for Netflix, and the other one um, is a small part in a um, in this really fun uh, animated TV show. Um, can't talk too much about either of those, um, but um, you know that that actually has been you know so much fun to you know explore that aspect of it. Um, uh, you know, sort of again linking back to you know doing things that. Um, uh, uh, you know, multifaceted. Uh, I really enjoy the, that, you know, ha- having that opportunity to work on characterization, but yet, you know, in, in this COVID world, just doing it in a sound booth for, you know, four hours at a pop. It's been a lot of fun. That's great. Can I ask you a weird Star Trek question? Sure. That to me was such a fun thing to do but as an actor it felt like a tremendous amount of pressure because in a way yes you are playing a character but you're but you're also sort of like playing DeForest Kelly playing a character at the same time like what is in your head when you're approaching that kind of a role it's not it's not the same as that something that's biographical but it is but in a weird way it is because you're coming off of something that did exist and so do you do you wrestle with that? Do you did did you struggle with that, or was it just sort of like, oh, this is just like a fun fun theatrical exercise? Uh, yeah, I'd be lying if I was to say that there wasn't some degree of anxiety, particularly around <laughs> the shooting of the first movie. Um, <laughs> it's not like you know, I uh, it, it, it's not like I uh, had some specific element of my character like you know you know Zach did obviously a, a phenomenal job of of playing Spock and you know and 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 you know having uh having that a particular makeup look you know certainly adds to the acceptance yeah. of that character um you know but and we were certainly never given a mandate to try and imitate uh, what had come before, you know, it was completely up to us to make these characters our own and, and to take the ball and run with it. But, you know, for me as a sort of a, a long-term, having a long-term appreciation of Star Trek, you know, I used to watch it, um, you know, as a kid with my dad. Uh, I just felt that I would feel somewhat gypped if I went into that movie theatre and 
and was to see a character that wasn't recognisably Bones. So for me, the challenge was to really identify certain aspects of, um, you know, the late great DeForest Kelly's performance and a kind of sort of cherry pick, uh, whether it be a certain mannerism or a feel, a vibe, and kind of imbue that into a younger version of, of the character. And, and, you know, I certainly didn't want to get into the imitation game, but at the same time, it had to be recognizably bones. And, and that was the challenge. And yeah, it, um, it was, it was freaky at time at times. Um, I, I think probably one of the most special memories I have out of that whole time was we were actually the, uh, the, the cast um, uh, was at a, uh, a William Shatner charity event and we were walking into it and um, somebody tapped me on the shoulder and it was uh, Susan, Susan Nimoy, Leonard Nimoy's uh, gorgeous wife. And she said, Hey, Carl, walk with us. And so I, I, I joined them and she said, wow. I just want you to know, you know, when Leonard watched the movie last night, when you came on screen, um, he wept. Oh. And um, at first I was sort of panicked because I thought, oh, shit, well, I, I must have really screwed that up. That was <laughs> 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 uh, but, um, but she went on to explain, she said, what, you know, what I'd, uh, what I'd done was reminded her so much of her friend, uh, of, 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 of his friend, um, DeForest Kelly, who had, you know, passed away a few years before. And to me, that was just like the coolest thing I think that sort of ever really happened to me around um, Star Trek was just that sort of, you know, getting to, you know, to, to, uh, to meet and work with, uh, with Leonard Nimoy. And, and um, yeah, it was, it was pretty special. That's incredible. I mean, you know, your your careers can be long, you can win awards, you can do all sorts of things, but those are the moments of your career that I think there just is no substitution for something like that. I mean, that is such a mm. special nugget of a thing that you get to have for the rest of your life that must have just sort of felt like, okay, okay, I think I, think I did something good. I think I'm on to something special here. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it certainly it was something that's very special to me. It, but it's interesting because when I personally look at uh, this, the um, my role in those Star Trek movies, I see the character. I, I mean, I just think the character is quite different than what DeForest Kelly had done. But somehow, I think in the you know in, in the sort of halcyon haze of uh, of of fandom that they, they that it's kind of morphed into oh it's exactly the same but it's actually not um i don't think it's know, exactly uh, the same at all i think it's no. i think it's exactly what you said i think it's you had your you had your version of him but there was a but there were nods and the nods yeah. sort of rooted it back to the thing without being like i am just a robot imitating this other person which would have probably come off more cartoonish so i think I, I completely agree with you. I don't think you did exactly what he did. I think you did your thing, but there was this sort of like, if you knew the old show very well, there were nods of like, aha, you know, yeah. which, which felt um, very much like a conversation with the audience of like, Hey, we love this character. We love this show. We're all in this together. And, and I thought that made it really beautiful and special. There was certainly um, you know, some moments there where we we were on set and I'd be, working with Zach Quinto and he's in, you know, full Spock mode. And I, you know, I come to a line like, are you out of your Vulcan mind? 
And you know, to have to just it's so surreal to be delivering that line and being on the bridge of the Enterprise, having watched it when I was a kid, was it was like I mean, I think I remember actually messing up a couple of times because I'm like, this is you know, it's too weird. just so nuts. Um, but the cool thing about you know working on that obviously was collaborating with JJ, and you, you could go to him and just say, hey, listen, I have an idea for this for the scene and he would hear you out and he goes, okay, try it out. And it was a really, you know, open collaborative experience. And, um, you know, I'm going to feel, uh, feel quite, quite blessed in that regard to, you know, when you work with a, a, a caliber collaborator, um, of, of, of his, uh, uh, of his level, it's, it only, it only enhances what you do and the results. Well, I, you know, as many people as, as I've gotten to talk to on the podcast and listen to and learn from, the one thing that I that I really feel like I understand is that, you know, like long term success, long term, um, you know, it, it just it's not an accident. I mean, I think you what I infer is that you're great to work with because you attract these great directors, these great projects time and time again, and anyone can get a break once once or twice, maybe but it's so consistent with your work then I, and I think that's one of the inspiring things, you know, in addition to your performances to take away from it's like, Oh, Carl must be a great guy to work with because the evidence is that all of these great people wouldn't waste their time with someone who sucked to, to work with. And I think that's a really valuable lesson for any performer, for anyone, you know, when they're sort of looking at like, the length of a career. And like you said, you know, Hey, I've worked on some great stuff and I've worked on some other stuff too, but it it does seem to be about just being in the present and having fun and and kind of making it the best experience you can each time. Is that, am I, am I, would you agree with that? Yeah. You know, um, you know, for me, you know, I, uh, I guess, you know, I'm just, I'm drawn to, um, drawn to working with the best collaborator th- that I can, and uh, you know, and I just I don't know. I, as I said before, I didn't plan this. I, you know, there are certain things like Star Trek that I actually targeted and went after because I wanted to be a part of it, and I was excited by those projects. Um, and you know, and historically, you know, people at various times in my life have said, "Oh my God, wow, you're so lucky," and I'm like. I kind of believe like, you know, you make your own luck and it's like, yeah, it's, it's funny. Yeah. Lucky. I am lucky, but I've also found that the harder I work, the luckier I seem to get. Right. <laughs> right. You know? Um, and, uh, you know, I just, um, that, that's, uh, you know, you, uh, you know, I wanted to sort of easily be easily identifiable, uh, to prospective directors as, as someone who, um, is uh, is an asset and someone who's of value to a production, and not just on set, but you know, in terms of you know, you know, holistically, someone who mm-hmm. can contribute on a, on a multitude of levels, and you know, and um, you know, and and also, I love learning, and I just find that you know, it, you know, if you, you just want to aim to work with. Um, with the best that you, that you can, and 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 in that way, that you're actually going to find that you you grow as a result well i've always found you to be just nice as fuck carl urban just such a nice guy you've always been so nice to me um uh, you know the 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 bunch of times that we've had gotten to hang out and uh as we're kind of wrapping this up 
you know, because eh, like you said, there's the, and I agree, there's, there's, there's a bit of chaos going on in the world. What, what makes you joyful? What kind of keeps you grounded? You know, like, what is it that you, that you kind of look for and focus on in, in times of chaos? Well, for me, it's pretty simple. It's, um, let's just focus on, um, what is in my circle of concern and that is an influence and, and that that's my friends and that's my family. Um, spending time with my boys, with, um, uh, with, with my parents and, and the people I love and, and, you know, it, it's, um, it's just about sharing quality time and, and being in the moment and not, you know, all too often in life we, uh, even when we're with someone, we can be easily distracted by the outside, by, you know, there's a phone call, a text, a social media, uh, something, you know, happening out in the cyber world. And it's all too easy to to get distracted and just take for granted about what's right in front of your face. And I think these in these times, it's particularly poignant just to be able to reduce it you know, existentially just down to the simplest thing. And that is just being in the moment with the people you love and, and not taking it for granted. And to me, that's the most valuable lesson to come out of, um, out of these times. Well, I hope I get to see you in person again, one of these days, perhaps in a, on in a, a comic, a comic con oh, style situation, or perhaps you'll come to Canada or New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I would love to. I'm not getting like New Zealand is, is, is at the top of our bucket list. It was, a it was, the next place we were kind of looking at, you know, like where could we go for our big vacation in 2020 and New Zealand was, was on the list. And so, uh, you know, hopefully. Say, where could we go and escape if America devolves <laughs> civil chaos and unrest? It would have been New Zealand, wouldn't it? I mean, I, I, do, I do wonder if we're knocking on the door in New Zealand, if they're like, no, we know where you're from. Get the fuck back there. You can't come in here. What are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. Get out. But, uh, but I really hope that uh, New Zealand is someplace that we get to, to visit. And uh, I will definitely hit you up for just where should we go? What should we do? You know, just any kind of, any kind of hometown recommendations. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Uh, yeah, for sure. Most definitely. If you, if, and when you get the opportunity, just let me know. Thank you, Carl Urban. I hope you stay safe and healthy and, Thank uh, you. Uh, and hang in there. ID 10 T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of skinny pop popcorn. Imagine this perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels, a symphony of just three simple ingredients, popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now.